Hello, I'm your host, Michael Wallenmeyer, and this podcast is In Light of Eternity. Life is short, make the most of it. Today, uh, as always, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about the truth and lies about purity culture. I'll say it again truth and lies about purity culture. So you already know if you listen to the other uh, episodes, you know I just kind of jump right in. Let's go ahead and do that. What in the world is purity culture? What do we mean by that? Can't talk about this topic if we don't define our terms. At the beginning of the 1990s, there was approximately, there was a movement within American conservative Christianity might want to say evangelicalism, to push back against the sexual immorality of the culture. And so what started to happen in the early 1990s is there were things like purity balls, purity rings, pledges were made by teens to say no to sex. You saw a ministry like True Love Waits um, start. Joshua Harris and I Kissed Dating Goodbye were all parts for or of the purity culture. By the way, what happened to Joshua Harris? Um, He wrote some books very early on in his ministry um, as a young man. Um, He was really, um, I would say he was at the heart of the purity culture with his books that talked about courtship instead of dating. Um, So just so you know, a little update, Joshua Harris, he's quit being a uh, quit from being a mega church pastor of a sovereign grace church. He divorced his wife and by his own words, this is not my interpretation, his own words, he's really walked away from Christianity. So how should we respond to this? It's tragic. It's super sad, and what you and I should do as we think about Joshua Harris and his family is we should pray for him. That should be our response. But I just wanted to give you a little update. Maybe you were influenced by his books. Maybe you weren't. But man, they certainly were at the heart of the purity culture movement in the early 90s. We know from 1 Corinthians 6.18 that saying no to impurity is a good thing. Let's be clear about that. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So, that's the verse, what was the problem with purity culture? What were the lies that it told? And what are some of the good things that we should hold on to? It really is a mixed bag, good and bad. Let's start with the lies that purity culture has told. The first one is this, and I've I've really tried to reduce this down to what I think are some of the, the, the main things that we need to think about or consider. So number one, one, one of the lies, women are the ones to blame if a man gives in to lust. Now, as I've been doing reading, I don't think it was necessarily stated um, so clearly like that, but it's really kind of um, the implication or what you might deduce. Um, In a moment, we're going to talk about modesty. We'll come back to that and how that is important. But the idea that women are the ones to blame if a man gives in to lust, and there's been a lot of discussion about, are you ready, Uh, uh, even lately over the past few years about yoga pants. 
you know, is, is should women wear yoga pants or, you know, is the devil using yoga pants? And this has become a, a, a recent conversation. But we want to be guided by the word of God, right? In James 1.14, we read this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So why did I read that? James is being pretty clear that even if a woman is dressing um, immodestly, Let's let's be let's be really honest. That happens like a lot. That happens, but what this means is is we don't get to blame someone else's behavior. We don't even get to blame someone else's sin for our sin. We never ever get to do that. So if a man gives into lust, if a woman gives into lust, and this is an equal opportunity sin, right? Uh, sexual immorality. If they give into it, it is, it is their own responsibility. I, you, no one gets to blame someone else for their own sin. So that's a lie. We can't blame women for it. Um, another lie, you can't be pure if you lose your virginity, you can't be pure if you lose your virginity. Maybe some of you um, remember Matt Chandler, um, a very famous sermon, and the sermon had this story about the rose. And this sermon took place about 2009. But I think this is a great illustration of one of the problems that was um, uh, alive and well, unfortunately, within the purity culture movement. And in this sermon, Matt Chandler is talking about the fact that he and some friends invited this lady who was, I, I think, outside of the church and, and maybe not even a believer at the time. Um, they invited her to a, uh, a, a concert where there was going to be a sermon, and he definitely wanted her to learn about who Jesus is. So he was excited. But then the speaker got up, the preacher, and he took out this rose and he threw it out into the crowd. And he, and he told them, pass around the rose. Everyone hold this rose. And, and then when he finally got the rose back, the rose was all jacked up, right? It was messed up, broken into pieces. It looked really ugly. And then the preacher said, who wants a rose like this? Look at it. Look at how uh, deeply flawed it is now. Who would want this rose? And really what his point is, is that's what happens when a person gives into sexual immorality. Is that after they have given into sexual, sec, immoral, um, uh, sexual immorality, that no one's going to want them anymore. It's, it's kind of they're, they're, uh, that, that's it. They're really not valuable anymore. And Matt Chandler, what he said that is so right on, what he said is, is that he really actually wanted to hurt that preacher. He wanted to hurt him because what he wanted to say is Jesus wants the rose. That's the beautiful part of the gospel is that, is that Jesus sees people who are, who, are, who are in their sins and they're in rebellion and yet Jesus loves them. And so that was a, a, an issue of purity culture is that once you had given into sin, once you had been led astray, once you had lost your virginity, then, well, then you can't be pure anymore. And again, we'll come back to this idea of where does purity come from, that we need to be really clear about that. We'll, we'll get back there in a moment. 
But another point that, and I'll just hit real quickly that's related to that, another lie is you aren't precious or valuable if you've sinned sexually. Um, so I just want to say this, that every single person, man, woman, young or old, is valuable because they're made in the image of God. You also need to know that you are loved by God no matter what. But I said I was going to come back to this idea of where does purity come from. So let's just hit it right now. Philippians 3.9, um, Paul writes this. And be found in him, not having a righteousness, purity, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What the apostle Paul is saying is that we are made right. We are declared righteous. We are declared to be pure, righteous. The moment that we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the amazing righteousness, the purity of Jesus Christ. And so what, what the purity culture should have said is, listen, yeah, I mean, we can sin. There's a category. There's a thing called sin. But you need to know that our righteousness ultimately doesn't come from whether or not that we have strayed. It comes from the finished work of Jesus Christ. Here's another uh, lie that purity culture um, told, whether, you know, um, I don't think, by the way, I should probably say this, I don't think the purity culture was telling these lies on purpose. I should say that. I think they're, they're probably, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that their heart was in the right place, but some of their theology was pretty messed up. Let's, let's be honest about it in some ways. So here's another lie. If a woman was abused or raped, it might have been, or it was her fault. If a woman was abused or raped, it might have been her fault. You, you need to know that that is garbage. If, if a woman is sexually abused, if a woman is sexually assaulted, um, we need to be clear, it's never her fault. Uh, it, it's let's say it again, it's never her fault. And so there were people in the purity culture who were saying, well, maybe she was dressing provocatively. And I would say, well, maybe she was. And maybe she wasn't dressing modestly, but that in no way condones the behavior of a man who would rape or sexually abuse or, and so the idea that um, it might have been her fault, that that's never the case. What a terrible burden that is for a man or a woman to carry around thinking, well, I was to blame for it. So I want to say to you, that's not true. What you did, it, it, what happened to you wasn't the result of something that you did. Again, it goes back to their heart. Their decision for abuse or assault was a decision that they made and a decision that they are responsible to God for. Here's another lie. If you wait to have sex until you are married, you will have great sex and a great marriage. I know that was a mouthful. But this is another thing that was implicit within the teaching that if you just wait, if you could just hang in there when you get married on the wedding night and that sex is guaranteed to be great. And, and what we need to know is that may or may not be the case. There may be other things going in our life, stress, um, uh, physical limitations. There may be other things in experience. There may be other things going on that would mean 
even if you have not had sex, it doesn't necessarily mean that on your wedding night or in the first year that everything's going to be great. That was taught. And then what would happen is people would realize, hey, man, this is so this could be kind of work, and and it, it's not as wonderful immediately as I thought it was going to be. And then they would start to question the rest of Christianity, like, well, what else did they get wrong? I mean, what what else did, did, did they miscommunicate? And really, this is another dimension to the prosperity gospel, um, the, the idea of the pr- prosperity gospel, that if, if I just do the right things, that I could put God into my good favor, and he owes me what I want. And we need to know that God is not a, um, uh, 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 he doesn't function like that. Um, sometimes he even brings trials specifically into our life to mold us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And here's probably what I would say is maybe one of the main things that they got wrong. Purity culture, a lie. Um, purity culture um, got our eyes so much on um, sexuality and sexual purity that it got our eyes off of the true prize, which is Jesus Christ. Now that may sound like, did that, could that possibly have happened? Well, I would say, yeah, I think in some instances, not all, in some instances it did, where that, this is the goal, man. I just want, I want to be a virgin, but when I get married, that's the main thing. And when the, when that doesn't happen, then people just get into a tailspin. And so what they should have been saying is purity is is a good thing. We've, we've already determined that. And, and living a life that's in obedience to God's word is a good desire. That's a good thing. But the main prize is ultimately Jesus Christ. And, and all of us have fallen short, right? Amen? All of us. I have sinned. You have sinned. All of us have. And we're so grateful that we're following after a, a person like Jesus Christ who still loves us and seeks after us. Let's talk about some of the truths that purity culture has told us. So one of the things that happens is, man, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, conversations today. Yeah, today. Google it um, about purity culture today. People are still to this very day reacting against purity culture. Um, and so and some of those things that people are writing are just they're 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 wrong. They're they're um uh, not taking the Bible seriously. So what, what are some of the things from the purity culture that we should hold on to? Some of the truths that the purity culture told. Number one, absten- abstinence is not passe or outdated. Man, and, and in the year 2021, you read anything, magazines, you watch the movies, TV. I mean, um, abstinence refraining from sex before you get married that is like the dumbest idea in the world it's like where are you from who repressed you what 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 uh what dark ages etc 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 but what we need to know is this is that abstinence is not passe or outdated think about it in genesis 1 sex and having kids is all done within what framework and just think about it for yourself. It's all within the framework of marriage. This is Genesis 1. This is how we see the, the, the family being established, marriage being set up. Genesis 1, God is the one who designed sex, and he designed sex to take place within marriage. 
marriage, sex is all God's idea. Abstinence is not passe or outdated. In 1 Corinthians 7, 2, Paul writes this, but because of the temptation to what? To sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So Paul is saying that sex is only designed for those who are married. Now, you might, you might want to try to do some hermeneutical gymnastics and make that say something else. And trust me, people do. I mean, they write books and it's just based on um, twisting things. But what Paul is saying is that, is that sex, quite honestly, is, is designed between um, a man and a woman, a woman and, and within a marriage covenant. Um, another thing that, that the purity culture um, got right is this, is that modesty actually is important. Modesty is important. And this is a huge topic, once again, for those who today are talking about purity culture. Because purity culture could be legalistic, you have people who are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So because it, it, there, it did tend towards the legalistic side, they just want to chuck the whole thing, throw it all out. The Bible, in fact, does command us to dress modestly. And I'll say this applies to men and women. This is not just a verse to go around beating up women. This applies to men and women. 1 Timothy 2.9, ready? Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So what we need to know is this. You, you're going to hear me. It, just, it, it doesn't matter what you wear. You just need to express yourself. If someone is going to be looking, that's just their issue. Well, I would say how we respond to someone dressing inappropriately, it, it is our issue. And that is between me and the Lord. But that does not mean how you dress is unimportant. Biblically, that's not true. So we need to be thinking, am I dressing in such a way that is bringing glory and honor to God? We don't get to throw modesty out because we want to express ourselves. You can do it. You just need to know that that's a, it's, a, it's not a life that's a pleasing to God. Here's another one, um, a truth that's told within the purity culture. And they didn't get this entirely right. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Um, but to some degree, um, they did. And what I want to say is this, there's an appropriate time to feel shame. There is an appropriate time to feel shame, not for everything, not for things that we shouldn't feel shame over. Uh, don't read into my words. The word shame appears well over a hundred times in the Bible. Did you know that Adam and Eve felt shame in the garden after they disobeyed God? What you need to know is this, is they, there was an appropriate reason, say it again, there was an appropriate reason that they felt shame because they did disobey God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, the Apostle Paul writes this, wake up from your drunken stupor. Oh, my computer just going off there. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your 
shame. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that there were people who were getting drunk and they weren't living in a way that was in light of the fact that um, there is a God and there is an appropriate way to live. And so he's saying that it's appropriate for them to feel shame. So when people in our culture say to you, you should never feel shame, what you need to know is they're lying to you. That's not true. They are deviating from Scripture. Here's the good news, is that you and I, we don't have to live with our shame because Jesus died on the cross and rose again after three days so that we don't have to live with our shame. You don't have to walk away feeling that way. If your shame leads you closer to Jesus Christ, then it has done what it is designed to do. So no, we don't want to walk around all of our life um, feeling shame, what we want to do is we want to take it to the cross. Um, here's another thing that they got right. Pursuing holiness will be the fight of your life. Pursuing holiness will be the fight of your life. And, and um, I, I really wanted to throw this in. This is something that I feel really strongly about, something that I have seen to be true in my own life. And so um, uh, perhaps the purity culture um, did or did not do a great job with this. But I just want to make sure that you know the truth, that it is a fight. Um, here's a quote from the book, Tempted and Tried from Russell Moore. Tempted and Tried from Russell Moore. And here's a quote. Felix told me that he battled against the pull to do stuff, awful stuff. When I pressed Felix about the gospel, he seemed um, uh, to give uh, credible evidence about faith and repentance. So what he's saying is he, he's like, he was a Christian. Go on, I'll keep reading here. But he wanted me to know just how dark his demons were inside. If you could prove to me that Jesus' bones were in the ground in the Middle East, he said, I'd leave here right now and get as drunk as I could get, take every drug I could find, and sleep with every woman who would let me. So I'll just stop again. What he's saying is, if Jesus' bones were still in the grave, if he wasn't resurrected, Felix, would he would, he would, he would pursue hedonism. He would prefer uh, uh, pursue his own desires. Then we go on reading. I think he was a little surprised when I chimed back, me too. I told Felix that if the bones of Jesus were in the ground, it seems to me his response is exactly what we ought to do. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die, 1 Corinthians 15, 32. The question rather than that is this, do you in fact believe the bones of Jesus are in the ground? Felix's eyes welled up with tears that he manfully blinked away. No, I believe he's alive, he said, and that's why I fight this stuff all the time. Let me give you a formal theological term for what Felix is experiencing, the normal Christian life, end quote. So what Russell Moore is saying is this, is that, you know, in this pursuit of purity, maybe people haven't told you this is going to be the fight of your life. And are there, um, is this a spectrum for people, the, the fight? Well, of course it is. I've been in ministry about 20 years now. But what I will say is, I have never met a man who hasn't been engaged in a, a pretty bloody battle when it comes to sexual purity. And what I want to tell you is, if that's you, 
and you've been surprised by it, you need to know it's just kind of normal. You are not alone. It doesn't make you a freak. And what you and I also need to know is is this, is that God loves you. He's walking with you. He wants to empower you with his spirit. And that victory, growing victory, is possible. Here's the last uh, truth that I want to share from you that I think that the purity culture was trying to communicate. The Bible is a much better guide than your desires. Your desires can mislead you. Your desires can lead you away from God. In our world today, we have made our feelings into a God. The idea that we have to be true to our feelings. This is what I'm feeling, so if I'm feeling this way, I have to do it. You don't. The truth is that there are many times when we need to say no to our feelings because they are going to lead to greater pain and greater heartache. So those are some truths and those are some lies about the purity culture. And I just want to say this. I'm done now. I just want to say this. I want to say thanks so much for listening. And it's, it's, I love doing this, by the way. Just what's going on in our culture today, thinking about it for myself, thinking about what the Bible has to say. And then I just want to help other people. Just like, let's talk about this. Let's, these are some things that we don't normally talk about. And, and instead, what we need to do is we need to lean into it. We need to talk about it. We can't keep this stuff in the dark because then it just, we have no clarity. So I love talking about it. Thanks for listening. Also let you know a couple of good book recommendations about purity culture. Number one, Talking Back to Purity Culture by Rachel Joy Welcher. Solid. Other book, Real Sex by Lauren F. Winner. Two books I would recommend. Um, so I'm super excited about upcoming episodes. There's going to be more coming. Make sure if you have an opportunity at the screen that you're using, your phone, computer, whatever, that you subscribe or follow this podcast. I would love for you to do that. And if you would take a couple seconds to leave a glowing review of this podcast, that would be a great benefit to me as well. Um, so uh, that's kind of funny to say things like that, but I would love it if you did it. Um, you can also feel free to contact me at michaelwallenmeyer at gmail.com. I also have a website, um, uh, michaelwallenmeyer.com. So that's it for now. Talk to you soon. Hope you guys have a great day.